My wife can be with me today. Liz, Liz Arthurs is in the front row, and it's good to see you. As we head into our Thanksgiving season, I'd like to speak to you about memory. Memory. Memory is the thing that anchors us to the past and keeps the past alive in the present. If we have no memory, we are adrift. Consider the case of Jimmy. Jimmy had a rare uh, neurological disorder called Korsakoff's syndrome. This disorder affects the memory. His story is told by Dr. Oliver Sacks. Sachs met Jimmy in 1975. Jimmy walked into the doctor's office. He was very cheerful. Hiya, Doc. How you doing today? Do I take this chair here? He answered all the questions Dr. Sachs asked regarding his memories. He remembered his childhood home. He remembered his friends. He remembered his school. He remembered being in the Navy in World War II. He was stationed on a sub. He still remembered Morse code. He remembered everything through the end of World War II, 1945. But that's where the memories stopped. And I mean completely stopped. He had no memory from 1945 until 1975, the present day for them. He had no memory of anything except literally just a few minutes in the past. He thought Truman was still president. He thought the periodic table ended with uranium. He thought no one had been to the moon. His memories stopped. He thought he was still 19 years old and still in the Navy. Dr. Sachs showed him a mirror and he was shocked. Who is this? middle-aged man with bushy gray hair. In Dr. Sachs's word, he, he, he gripped the arms of the chair and he said, What's going on? Am I crazy? Is this a nightmare? Sachs calmed him down by taking him over to big windows in the office which overlooked a park. There were kids playing ball below. And he left him alone for two minutes. He removed the bewitching mirror. Two minutes later, he came back. Jimmy was still looking down into the park. He wheeled around. Hiya, Doc. You want to talk with me? Do I take this chair here? Haven't we met before, Mr. G.? No, can't say we have. Over the next nine years, he was, as a patient of Dr. Sachs, they were introduced and reintroduced. He stayed in the convalescent home where, where Sachs worked. He never learned his way around the halls. He was good at quick games of checkers and tic-tac-toe, but he got lost at chess because it was too slow. Sachs said, I had never encountered, never imagined such a power of amnesia. The possibility of a pit into which everything, every experience, every event would fathomlessly 
drop. The staff of the home spoke of him as a lost soul. Now I tell you that story to suggest that without memory, we are lost souls. See, in the Bible, memory is much more than just cognitive recall. You know, you, uh, oh, I've got a history test coming up. I've got to remember the dates for such and such. Or I can't remember where I put my car keys. In the Bible, memory is not less than that, but it's more than that. It includes emotion. It includes volition and, and the will. In the Bible, remembering is remembering. It is to put things to it, reattach things that have been separated, to reattach things that have been amputated. To remember is a whole person activity where the past comes alive in the present and charts a course for the future. Think of the thief on the cross. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Favor me. uh, uh, Have your face set toward me. Extend grace to me, not just, uh, just remember I was here... Think of Hannah in the Old Testament. Hannah was a lovely uh, lady, and uh, she was married to this guy named Elkanah, and um, they they had no children. And she really, really wanted a child, and she prayed, and she prayed. And then the Bible says in 1 Samuel 1, the Lord remembered her. He remembered called her to mind and extended his favor. One of the Ten Commandments is remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Right? So it's, it's volition. There's action involved. Galatians says remember the poor. Extend grace to the poor. You know, even our English word, remember, has some of these connotations. At the birthday party, uh, uh, when the hosts are handing out treats, the little girl is in her seat and she squirms and she raises her hand and she says, Remember me. Let my mental image come before your mind in such a way so that it it will prompt you to behave toward me with grace. Remember me. That's the kind of memory that anchors us to the past. Shows us where we are in the present. And charts a course for the future. We need that kind of memory because the Bible tells us, and we know from our own experience, that we tend to drift. We tend to What does the hymn say? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And so the scripture warns us about this drifting, about forgetting. 
For example, in Hebrews 2, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Do you sense within yourself the possibility of drifting? I do. Look, you guys, I'm a seminary professor. That means I, you know, train people for ministry. Talk about the Bible all the time, and you know. But I sense the possibility, the tendency to forget. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Do you sense that within yourself? Now, if you do not sense it, I would humbly ask you to think again. For those of you who think you stand, take heed. You could fall. You could drift. You could forget. So the Lord gives us repeated warnings, right? Only be careful. Watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen. Or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Deuteronomy 4. Be careful. Do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol. Deuteronomy 8. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands. So we pay careful attention so that we do not drift. The faith story of Charles Darwin comes to mind. For a time, uh, Darwin was raised in Victorian England in a conventionally Christian home. They believed the trustworthiness of the Bible. They believed in the church's creeds. For a time, he uh, actually considered entering the ministry as a gentlemanly profession. But it was while he was traveling the world as a naturalist on the HMS Beagle that Darwin became convinced that species develop by chance over vast epochs of time. And that belief, that theory, led him to reject the book of Genesis, the the creation account in Genesis, which seems to suggest that creation happened real quickly, you know, a matter of days. This eventually led him to reject the entire Old Testament. That led him eventually to reject the Gospels because of their accounts of miracles, you know, feeding the 5,000 and Jesus rising from the dead. And then a severe personal storm caused him to drift even further. This was the death of his dear, sweet daughter, Annie, ten years old. The great scientist never became an outright atheist, but his belief in God slowly evolved into something like deism, sort of God is a sort of a force, sort of the first cause, not a personal being, not the kind of person we're singing to this morning. 
And Darwin reflected on this slow drift in his own words from his own autobiography. I gradually came to disbelieve in Christianity as a divine revelation. Disbelief crept over me at a very slow rate, but was at last complete. The rate was so slow that I felt no distress. So the Bible warns us, be careful, do not forget, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Now in contrast to our drifting and forgetting and wandering, God remembers us. And his memory is steadfast and sure, and his grace continues. He does not forget his people. His eye is on us. His face is set toward us. His hand is on us. His ear inclines to us. And with great thanksgiving, we remember that God remembers our trials. Psalm 56 is interesting uh, in this regard. David was uh, running from enemies. David was having a hard time. He said, be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long. All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? What does this mean? In the ancient world, they would uh, take a small, ornate glass jar, a vial, and they would actually catch their tears and then stop it and seal it and keep that little jar as a memorial. A remembrancer of their trial and God's faithfulness. So what is David saying? People are after me. They trample me all day long. It's bad. You take my tears into your bottle. You remember. You wrote them down in a book. God remembers you in your trials. We sing about this. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls. And hears me when I call. You and I may drift, 
God does not drift. He remembers us in our trials. And the reason He remembers us in our hardships is because He has made a covenant with us. A solemn agreement. A binding promise. This, this, this covenant. And He remembers His covenant. Exodus brings this together when it talks about the, the Israelites' trials. They groaned in their slavery. They cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. He heard their groaning. God remembered His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He saw And God knew. He has made a covenant with you. Those of you who believe in Jesus, those of you who are following Him, you are His apprentices. You've entered into this solemn binding agreement. You have given your heart and life to Him. He will not forget you. Even, maybe especially, in your trials. He's not flighty. He's not flitty. Oh, where'd I put the car keys? Oh, yeah, yeah, what, what's your problem? And then forgetting us? Mm-mm, mm-mm. He remembers. Isaiah gives us another image, another striking image. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Well, even these may forget... Yet I will not forget you. Behold, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. As a memory aid, as a memorial. So he saw this, uh, this married couple. Uh, they were far from their country. They were resident aliens. They were far away from their people. And God wrote their names right there. Abraham and Sarah. And he saw this young man uh, is trying to do the right thing, but his brothers just hated him. They just hated him. They were jealous. They threw him into a pit. They sold him as a slave. Thirty pieces of silver. They sold him as a slave to the Egyptians And God saw. And God had his name right there. Joseph. And there were these two ladies, uh, uh, a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law, and they they were both widows, and neither of them had any children. Their their kids had died, and they were destitute, and things were terrible for them. But God said, uh, I know your names. Naomi, Ruth. Fast forward up to the New Testament times. There was a fellow, the first Christian martyr, believed in Jesus and the the religious authorities were just so angry they stoned him to death. You know what it's, you know that that's capital punishment? The Bible talks about stoning. It's not like little, little, little rocks. They would take 
big rocks and fell on the back of the neck and the head and it was capital punishment and as he was dying he cried out uh, Lord Jesus remember me and God said yeah 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 gotcha right there Stephen and he has written on the palms of his hands all the tens of thousands of martyrs since that first one the martyrs behind the Iron Curtain, 1950s, 1960s, 1970s. He, their names are present before him. And the believers today in sub-Saharan Africa, persecuted, their names are written. Your name is written on the palms of his hands. Now, because he remembers his covenant, we walk in hope and joy. Because he remembers us, because he, he doesn't uh, drift, because he's not uh, out of sight, out of mind. Because he has us right there. Look, can a nursing mother forget her child? Well, no, but I guess theoretically... Even if she does, I won't remember, I won't forget you. I've written your name on the palms of my hands. And so we walk in hope. We walk in joy. There's a certain buoyancy. There's a certain resiliency for Christians. There's a certain grounded optimism. And this optimism is in the character and in the promises of God. See, our bodies may decay. Most of you are too young to know what I'm talking about. Trust me on this, okay? <laughs> our bodies may wear out and decay. And it's very sad when that happens. It's very sobering. But we remember, Jesus Christ rose... And we who are in a relationship with him will rise also. So even as our bodies decay, there's a certain hope, there's a certain optimism. Because he remembers us. When Satan haunts us with our past failures, you know, our sins, our mistakes, the bad stuff we've done, Satan comes and he accuses and he haunts you and he keeps bringing it to your memory and you feel guilty and you feel terrible. We remember that he made a covenant with us and that we are forgiven in Jesus Christ. So when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. 
So there's a certain optimism, there's a certain groundedness. Of course, this doesn't mean that we have no trials. It doesn't mean that no tears roll down our cheeks. But it means that we believe. If God is for us, who can be against us? I will never leave you or forsake you. I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Pastor Tony Evans tries to capture that that optimism based on our hope in Christ. He talks about um, uh, his favorite toy as, as, as a young boy, as a child. In one year, his father gave him a blue punching bag. This is one of the greatest toys ever invented, at least for a boy. You would punch the bag, and it was about this high, and you, 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 you'd punch it, and then what would happen? Why? Why would it always come up right? There's a weight in the bottom. There is a there is a gravitational center. Are you with me? Struck down. not struck out. Perplexed. But not in despair. Persecuted. But not forsaken. And so because God has graced us and remembered us and favored us and made a covenant with us in Jesus Christ, there's a certain grounded hope. There's a subterranean river of joy and confidence that runs perhaps just beneath the surface. Well, let's see if we can bring this together with some practical advice on how we can stir our memories. My advice for you is don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember. And the way you can do that is by speaking. Rehearse, recount, recall, recite, retell, tell, and retell. The story, the good news of Jesus Christ. By the way, one way we do that, one way we speak is by singing. Did you ever think of your singing as a means of communicating not only to God? I mean, it is that. There's a, there's a, horizontal, a vertical aspect to our worship, right? But Colossians chapter 3 says we speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 
And so we speak and we remind ourselves, we testify about God's grace and His promises. And if your heart is just too heavy, that you can't lift your voice, then the people around you will sing for you. Just listen. And let their confession of faith be yours. We also listen. We listen to one another. Listen to the Word. We listen to songs. We listen to sermons. We listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our conscience reminding us of all things Jesus taught. C.S. Lewis said it this way, One must train the habit of faith by making sure that some of its main doctrines shall deliberately uh, shall be deliberately held before your mind for some time every day. That is why daily prayers and religious reading, church going, are necessary parts of the Christian life. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief in Christianity nor any other belief will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. So do you have a discipline of listening to the Word, listening to each other, listening to your conscience, listening to uh, religious readings, listening because we need constant reminders. And may I say a pastoral word, a brotherly, a friendly word. May I say a word to those of you who are inconsistent with your church attendance? I have no idea who I'm talking to, except I'm confident I'm talking to a number of people. If you're a typical church. May I just say to you, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you... Activate your discipleship and re- remain true to Jesus. And yet, if you sort of hit and miss in here, and oh, I got to go do such and such, we need constant reminders of the grace of our Lord Jesus and the covenant He's made with us. Speak, listen, eat, and drink. I'm referring, of course, to the Lord's Supper, to communion. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus instituted a covenant, a new covenant. In some ways entirely new, in some ways a continuation of the old covenant. But now they would no longer have to sacrifice a lamb every year for their sins. Jesus became the Lamb of God. And so he started a a, a ceremony, a ritual, a, a meal. You remember. He broke bread. He said, as often as you eat this, remember me. He poured out wine. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Remember me. And we in the church have just continued that, uh, you know, down through the ages. And uh, here at, at this church, we celebrate communion once a month. And so we eat and drink together. And when you do so, remember, call to mind the past. 
Let it condition the future, the, the present. Let it suggest a course for the future. We remember that his blood was poured out, his body broken for the remission of sins. And that takes us back to Jimmy. He was in Dr. Sachs' home for nine years, drifting. As I mentioned, the staff spoke of him as a lost soul. But then one day, the doctor happened to observe him in chapel, receiving Holy Communion. Jimmy was, for a time, transformed. Here's Dr. Sachs's description. Fully, intensely, quietly, in the quietude of absolute concentration and attention, Jimmy entered and partook of Holy Communion. He was wholly held. There was no Korsakovs then. He was no longer at the mercy of meaningless memory traces. But he was absorbed in an act of his whole being. That's biblical memory. So don't forget to remember. Speak, listen, eat and drink in remembrance of Jesus. And this Thanksgiving season, don't forget to give thanks. He's made a covenant with you. He will not forsake you. Thank him. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for sending us, gracing us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to remember him, honor him, worship him, devote our lives to him. In Jesus' name, amen.